gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Conspiracy Castle. I'm your conspiracy asshole, Primetime 99, and that's why we're listening to Joy to the World, because you know what? We are just trying to get into the mindset of playing royalty-free copyright music so we won't get a strike. So this was a random pick, but I just want to try to get you guys in the right mental state because I have a very special guest. That's right, the one, the only... Jay Hinahan from How to Kill a Sacred Cow.com. Jay, welcome to the Conspiracy Castle. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing awesome, Alex. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I know uh, today's kind of a random day. I, uh, I I was just talking to you about what we can talk about on the show. So for the people watching this, we're going to do half the show here on YouTube, and then we're going to do the other half on Rockfin so we can talk freely without any of the censorship because what Jay and I want to talk about is adult content that's not uh, permitted on YouTube. So if you guys really want to get freaky deaky, the link is in the uh, description. So you're able actually to click it now and go there and watch from Rockfin right now. But with that, I just want to say, so Jay, well, the, my first question is, you know, you, I saw, I was reading about you. You have a musical, uh, George Orwell, 1984. I mean, are we in? Are we in uh, George Orwell's 1984 currently? I mean, what? What? We're always on a phone. That is the screen. I mean, is it? Is it too late to save us from this nightmare that we've uh, we've already fallen in? Yeah. Well, so that's actually that's that's a big kind of a subject, right? There's always this huge debate as to whether or not we're living in 1984. And there's this really interesting set of letters that was exchanged between Aldous Huxley and George Orwell, because uh, Aldous Huxley was a, he was a tutor of George Orwell when he was young. And uh, Aldous Huxley differed with George Orwell, saying, like, we're not living in, in whoa, your version of the say, say that again. Aldous Huxley was George Orwell's tutor? He was, his, he was his tutor. He was like his French tutor, yeah. Wow, wow. Wait, see, the, 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 those guys had to be like Ian Fleming or something. Don't they have to be like government agents or something? I mean, how do they have this? But sorry, I don't want to cut you off. Keep going. So Aldous Huxley and, and George Orwell were, had a uh, student-teacher relationship. Didn't didn't realize that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so they exchanged letters, you know, throughout their life. And and this particular letter, uh, Aldous Huxley was saying, like, we don't live in your version of the world. Maybe not yet, at least when he was writing it. Um, because that, that's more of the communistic style. He, was, he thought that the world was heading into more of a, um, into a people will love their servitude based on, uh, the, the, like a pharmacological revolution and television and things like that. So that people would basically want to party and, and fuck all day. And uh, instead of instead of being like oppressive, uh, oppressively, you know, put down by the government. But George Orwell did get a lot of things right with the uh, with the censorship, the, the whittling down of language and the uh, surveillance state. He definitely got those right. Well, do you not think that's what people want to do is just get high and fuck all day? That's exactly what people want to do. I mean, it's definitely got its time and place. I'm not going to say I'm. A if people didn't person. have to work, if people didn't have any responsibilities, <laughs> and they could, and they were in some universal basic income, and like, let's say you didn't even have the ability to do better. Let's say you're stuck in this middle class or lower class. No matter how hard you worked, you couldn't do better. So you know, all you got to do is watch like porn and watch these ads, and uh, we'll give you free money. Why wouldn't you want to be drugged out and have sex? I mean, because you're in a nightmare world already. You got to numb the pain some sort of way. Yeah, there's definitely some of that, but I mean, I'm more in the camp of that, like, in order to become a, a fully realized human being, you know, there's got to be some struggle. Oh, of course, know? and I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, it's called whatever, hopium, copium. Uh, you know, you're just like, whatever you can do <laughs> to some... Uh, I mean, seriously, you're just trying to get by. So I can understand, like, if I am living in the brave new world, um, 
What I'm trying to say is everybody's kind of can choose to be on Xanax, can choose to be on SSRI, and a lot of people were smoking weed, and I'm you know I like to dab a little bit of this, a little bit of that, so I'm not anti that. I'm just saying uh, I feel like we're already there. We're already at this like sensory overload. I believe it was in uh, Brave New World, isn't that they don't even have movies? It's like just like quick like pornographic. Uh, it's like sensory. You watch stuff that makes your senses react. And that's basically right. what TikTok is. It's not even you're not you're just like watching this food. You're watching these like quick videos. You're like it just makes you have an emotional reaction. So we're almost already there. Yeah. So what you're referencing, they call them the feelies in feelies, Brave yes. New World, so that you could smell and taste and hear all the all the action that was going on. And I don't know. You know what's crazy though is that TikTok has like given rise to a whole new generation of conspiracy theorists that are actually putting out good content. It's a weird kind of a thing. And the algorithm—I'm digging the algorithm. I'm a late adopter. I'm a late adopter to all new social medias. So I I wanted nothing to do with TikTok, but I started seeing this stuff on Instagram. Like that shit's on TikTok. That was—it's actually got some good content on it. There is. There's some kids doing some good stuff on there and all people. But the thing is, I don't know, like I get have videos that get like hundred thousands of views. I don't know how that's possible. I guess the algorithm, it does work better on TikTok. I don't know how. I mean, I, and when I say hundred thousand, I have like total, I think a hundred thousand views, but, but I don't know how I have that when I, I'm never on there. I don't hardly ever use it. You know, it doesn't even make sense. Well, you're, you're like on the sly popular. I had no idea that you were you until um, Mark Steves had talked to me about coming on Conspiracy Castle. I was like, I think I've heard of that. I'll go check out the uh, the podcast. And then I realized I've seen a ton of videos with you on Facebook, on Instagram. Like, like I think one of my all time favorites was when you showed up in front. It, it was I think you did a, a Zoom call to the to a to a school board, and you were saying so the long lines of like we need to get all these people vaccinated because I keep losing housekeepers. And yeah. my children I was just like I was like yeah. yes, king, yes. Yeah, you know. So that's like the videos going around. I got to do more. People are sending me messages, and I try to make more videos. This is a video I was trying to do. I don't know if it's too cringe. I was going to buy some ivermectin paste and then go to urgent care clinics with like putting all. <laughs> putting like all over my khaki shorts and be like, I'm shitting myself. Should I go to the real hospital? Like I've been taking this horse pace. I can't stop crapping my pants and see what they say. I don't know if they would help me if they'd let me. I don't know, dude. I got to keep going. I, I go to Krispy Kreme. I make these videos. We're in this day and age, though, where I'm trying to create feelies because everything sucks. And I'm not trying to be a nihilist black pill uh, uh, bitch ass. I'm not. I'm not trying to be like a soy boy. You know, uh, uh, we are spiritual beings. Oh, this is my thing. I see all these gay guys that are so pro-abortion. Um, they're all like, and I know like a lot of, you know, gay yoga instructors and this and that. And like, oh man, they're, you know, all like, they're, they're quoting all this stuff and they're all, they all love abortion. And in my mind, I'm like, you guys will never even have an unexpected pregnancy. I mean, like you can't, a guy can't accidentally, a gay guy can't accidentally get a girl pregnant. And in my mind, I really was one guy, my yoga instructor, not my yoga instructor, but a guy that works at a yoga place I used to go to a lot. He's a nice guy. He's like a Hispanic guy. I think he has like a bunch of brothers and sisters. And he's like the biggest pro-abortion guy ever. First of all, he's Mexican. I don't know any Mexicans that like abortion. They all have a hundred kids. So oh what God. I'm well, I'm just I'm serious. I'm not even trying to be racist. I'm just saying, and this guy, he's a really nice guy, and he's every day he's talking about pro-abortion, this, pro-abortion, that. And I just want to be like, dude, your family, you have a bunch of brothers and sisters. Wait, well, you wouldn't be here. They're very easily you could have been aborted. And just this is my thing. This is my whole thing. I'm not. Listen, whatever you say about abortion, just the fact that we're here, 
that our parents had sex at that exact time and they made you and I, it's like we won the lottery, but nobody has that outlook. Actually, as a matter of fact, people are, are mad. They have animosity at their parents for being born, which is opposite. And, I, and there's been a time in my life where I had animosity being on earth. I'm like, why is this bad stuff happening? But once you realize how lucky we are just to be here, it's stupid to even have that thought in my opinion. Yeah, so it's a very complicated subject. And I think you are right. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I was born, especially at this time. Uh, this this time and, and place in the world is like, it's incredible the access that we have to knowledge about nutrition, supplementation, and the technology. It's just, it makes it incredible. If we just didn't have these goddamn leaders making stupid ass decisions, it would be a little bit better. Uh, but the thing with abortion, so right, like I'm like, a, I'm, I'm, I'm very much a, a, a get the government out of everything kind of a guy. And so my stance with abortion is like, look, they're going to fucking happen. People are going to abort babies and you might as well have it regulated and legal so that, you know, dangerous, stupid shit doesn't start happening. Cause like, all right, dude, there is enough dumbasses in the world, right? Like we could, we could do without a couple of them, but um, it's just like, I'm, I'm more of a pro, uh, uh, free, I'm a free pro, rights I'm, or whatever. Free, free well, I'm, a, I'm a pro, I'm a pro choice guy in every sense of the word. Don't have the government fucking regulating this or that, like get the fuck out. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that's a very like touchy subject and people have a whole slew of opinions on it. Many of which they're not, a, they're not, uh, they have no right to have that opinion. You know what I'm saying? Especially your your friend that you were just talking about. I'm just saying, yeah, I mean, it seems like, that, and that's a, not just him. I went to an abortion rally that was like a failed one here, you know, a pro-abortion rally here in Texas. And it was like just a lot of, and nothing wrong with gay people. I love gay people. I'm not anti, it's just why is it such a gay issue when gay people don't have unplanned pregnancies from what I'm aware of? That is a good point. That is a good fucking point. Yeah. I just, um, yeah, like I said, I just want the government to get the fuck out of everything. They fuck everything up. You know what I'm okay, saying? Okay, but like, okay. Well, they have a war on. They, well, let, they have let's, a, well, let's, well, listen, listen. I want to hear you talk, but this is what I'm saying. I'm based in reality too, and you are too, Jay. I want the government out of all of our shit, but that's not a reality. Already, when we were we were born in chains, we were born uh, into this thing, and unless, and I don't think the government's going to crash. So, how, how do we mitigate? their control because I don't think there's we're ever going to be able to like the, this is what I'm saying all these guys libertarian this I love that idea I like Dave Smith I like those guys but there, there's only a two-party system so it, you know we're never even going to that's never even going to be a reality so we know the thing's rigged so how do we what I think of doing is astroturfing we should almost secretly like what Al-Qaeda does this is how we should fix our government it's called the Al-Qaeda primetime nine Stein grind plan of of how we solve this. The people that are on the right, you know, because technically I'm not even that conservative. You know, I, I like to put myself in the middle. But somehow we have to go and infect the left. We got to use all their tactics, how they can steal stuff, how they can, and then infect that astroturf and make them think that we're on their side. And then once we get in there, then we uh, take control because I don't think uh, we're ever going to be able to actually have some sort of like a freedom party. We're, we're fucked. We have the two-party system, and both parties are going to screw us and, you know, pee on us and tell us it's raining. <laughs> yeah, so um, actually, so Thaddeus Russell has a great book called The Underground History of the United States. And the point that he makes is that the people that actually affect real political change, at least the political change that we uh, value as Americans, were, were spearheaded by the outcasts of society. You're talking uh, prostitutes rum runners, drug dealers, 
um, the people that just don't listen to the rules and eventually everybody catches up. So I think part of the solution may be just not listening to all the fucking bullshit and to just doing your own thing. You catch a fine, you catch a fine, whatever, you know, you come up, you come up against, you know, you're bouncing your head off a wall because of a mandate Just fucking go through the wall, you know, and you just, you just don't comply. And that's, that's certainly a, but. So if you're talking about, so what are you, what are you talking about, right? Like you're talking about using the less tactics against them, infiltrating and, and kind of steering them in the, in, in a direction you. That's, that's I think that's well, the only way, because like, let's say this, people are saying, oh, I don't want the government involved at all in our healthcare. But at the same time, by not letting the government get involved, it's $200 for the same amount of insulin. That's $2 in Canada or Mexico. So in that sense, I would think that we would need government intervention because these people were the only a place where they can pharmaceutical companies can run all the commercials they want. So maybe we do want some government intervention. Maybe there are times when the government, and I, like I said, there's times when I want to be left alone, but maybe there are times where the government can come out and make the outcome uh, uh, fair because really all we need the government for is conflict resolution. So so, so we kind of do need the government sometimes when we have conflicts within one another to re resolve that. We don't need the overreaching arm of the government. See, that's where I think the government fails. And that's why when we talk about these mandates, we'll talk about that on the other side of Rockman. I think that you know it may work for a little bit, but at the end, it's going to hurt Socialism is when uh, is when, you know, the businesses and the government merge together, corporations and government merge together. What's going to happen is they're going to merge together and the businesses are going to fail, I think. And then they're going to want to unmerge is what I think is going to happen. Yeah. So I, I would like to clarify, too, I'm not like a hardcore libertarian or anything. Oh, like no, that. I know. I, just, I do believe I, yeah. I definitely do believe that there is a that the government is a necessary evil. And it's just that it's not performing the function that it's supposed to be forming, obviously. And um, I think what we have is is very much like a corporatocracy. It's very much like a weird kind of mix right now in between like fascism and communism and capitalism. See, capitalism is incredible. And the things that it ends up producing, the opportunities that it ends up giving everybody, as long as things are on an even playing field, which they almost never are. But, you know, it's at least the ideal is to, to work towards that. Um, you know, capitalism affords everybody the opportunity to become whatever they want to become. And if it if if the government were performing its function in the correct way, we wouldn't have to deal with all this stupid bullshit, because what, the reason that 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 insulin costs two hundred dollars is because the government is allowing not only allowing it to happen, but they're they're facilitating it mm -hmm. because they're allowing the lobbyists to come in and have some type of control over the legislature and, and this or that thing like hundred percent, dude. There's there there's been so many drugs that people like once they figured the the roundabout way of getting inexpensive medication by having it um, sent to America from other countries, like that was immediately made illegal. You know what I mean? And and why would a government do that if they were looking out for your best interest? No, they're looking out for the interests of their buddies and their pharmaceutical companies and all that. And you know, present circumstances I think show that um, when you allow pharmaceutical companies to do whatever they want, you get the shit. I know and you, get, you can't not being able to talk on YouTube about fucking real, real life. I know we can't. And that's the <laughs> thing is America is really run by multinational corporations like the pharmaceutical companies, like the alcohol companies, like the sports companies, whatever you want to call it, the big leagues. I mean, they're all they're basically all in cahoots and they're kind of running the show. They're setting the collective consciousness the zeitgeist and, and it's stuck on stupid because these multinational corporations only care about their bottom line. And it's fake. All they do is turn their, you know, their color, their flag to the rainbow flag, you know, for a month out of the year. And then they feel like they can do anything. They can just rob us blind, I guess. It, it just sucks that that merger has already happened, in my opinion. 
But let's go back to George Orwell and kind of and, and Aldous Huxley. So what do you think? They got all their views just basically on this like communistic communalism uh, uh, future that they thought was going to happen. Well, they both came to their conclusions from very different paths. One, Aldous Huxley came to that conclusion because he was a part of an elitist family. His his brother Julian was the first uh, head of UNESCO. He was he he created UNESCO within the United Nations, and UNESCO has a pretty terrible. They're always track globalist, and they've always been yeah. about globalization. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so he had the inside track. You know what I mean? So it didn't take. It, it, all he had to do was take what he knew was going to be the future because I was coming on down the pipeline and, and use and use a book as a creative uh, vehicle to, to do that. George Orwell, I feel like, was more of a rogue because he saw communism firsthand. Um, he fought in the Spanish Civil War and um, he also was get I, I, he had some type of like inside information coming out of the Soviet Union when it was very tight lipped as to like the, the real atrocities that were going on. Uh, within you know with the, with the gulags and with uh, you know all the all the the crazy stuff that the the um, not the KGB the precursor to the KGB all the shit that they were doing, um, so he very much was like he was really against it and that's the whole reason he did Animal Farm in 1984. Aldous, I it's kind of harder to peg him because it seems like he's trying to warn everybody, but he kind of the way that he speaks, especially like if you see his old. Uh, interview with Mike Wallace, he's kind of talking about it as it's as it's very much like a foregone conclusion. And um, he does say, like, you got to watch out for this. But I kind of think like that was the role that he was supposed to play. Well, do you yeah. think they were Satan worshipers at all? And I know that's weird, but this is where I think it comes from. A lot of like the idea of the New World Order, I believe, comes out of uh, the, the, the Bible, it comes out of uh, Genesis chapter 11, verse 9, which is about the Tower of Babel. And in that, basically, the Tower of Babel is Nimrod wanted uh, to build a, a tower to the kingdom of heaven to kill God. And then God, you know, made them speak all these different languages. These people couldn't come together. So what I'm saying is I actually believe the communalistic, whatever you want to call it, like more than communism, the idea where like you're owned by the state, where you don't, even, you can't even love because like that's uh, selfish. You know, that's not your own. All your emotions are even owned by that state. Like I believe that's actually satanic. And that's how they, they want to dominate the world is, is by basically killing God on earth. Uh, and I, I believe that's what's happening now with the mass. I believe it's some sort of initiation ritual into the new world order and i think it's satanic i think it's pretty satanic wherever you go you have to cover your mouth like some sort of uh, eyes wide shut party so where does aldous huxley and george orwell uh and do you know do you have any connections like aleister crowley satanism or anything like that in their background nothing that i've ever seen um and the question as to whether like these people are satanists and, and so i've kind of put it like this right so with all of the you could you, how much money do you really need you know what I mean? Like you've got these companies doing these things, mandating certain things, and they're, uh, they're, you know, yeah, it's a cash cow. But I mean, at what point does 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 money and power really do it for you? So I've always kind of like I've always held uh, part of my belief is that it's there's a spiritual component to everything, um, to all this stuff that's going on with the new world order and all that stuff. So I've only I've always held it out as a possibility. But as far as George Orwell and um, and Aldous Huxley go, you know, a lot of these people, it's easy to pick out the Satanism. You know what I mean? Um, they they put it in their work. So, you know, they're, they're really not shy about it. They'll do the numerology stuff. I've never picked up on anything like that in either one of their books. So, yeah. So you never really got that vibe from them. And I guess I never. Well, there's really... always there's always fingerprints. I, I haven't seen any fingerprints in those two books. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I've never really heard that either of them. Like in the past, I, I just kind of wonder they were probably 
I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what their mindset was, but they really did have a good. I mean, you and I could write that book today. Me at thirty, uh, at thirty-four, I could write that book of what I think the future is going to be. It's going to be the Patriot Act two point They're going to have warrantless search and seizure of our phones. They're going to be able to check our text messages. They're going to have access to our social media because people might be congregating. And what it's going to be done under? It's not going to be a pandemic. It's going to be climate change. All this stuff, this pandemic stuff, has been a test. It's that now the climate change, they're going to say, oh, well, you're going to really kill people by going out and driving in your car. And you're it's trying to get people used to being uh, selfless. But really and truly, you know, it solve a little problems solve. I think personally, would solve a lot more problems if we're a little more selfish. And, you know, if these people that got vaccinated didn't worry about other people and their vaccine, people worry about their own health. People need to be a little more selfish. Uh, you know, I'm not saying don't care for others, but we're in this society where all we do is worry about other people. That's insane. That's what's driving us insane. And that's a relatively new thing, right? I mean, American culture has always been selfish up until very recently. And what precipitated that change? This is it. You know, I mean, they, they, had, been, they had been working on this particular thing for a while. If you look, and we'll probably have to come back to this and it's for yeah. me to actually fully flesh it yeah. out in the Rockfin. Um, but um, so you have an individualistic culture that is in the process of being subsumed in more of a collectivist culture. And there was signs that this was happening. You know, people have been raising the alarm bills for quite a while. Um, and I mean, you can go all the way back to uh, what, the, what the hell was his name? He ran the Reese Committee. Um, Dodd. I want to say it was Frank Dodd. There's this great interview with him with G. Edward Griffin. And he actually found a connection between the big foundations, you know, the, the Rockefeller Foundation, Ford Foundation, Carnegie Foundation. And he actually went and talked to the, the head of the Ford Foundation and asked him what the hell was going on because they were, they were trying to push education and society into more of a collectivist kind of mindset. And it, was, it seemed to be very intentional. And he said, well, what we're doing is we're trying to merge the Soviet Union and, and America so that we can create one entire global entity because they were the two big superpowers at the time. And so this has been going on for a very long time, and that was discovered in the, in the 50s. And they or, said or the that with the Rockefeller Initiative, like they admitted that that's what they were doing. Because when we were in kids, when I remember yeah. being in school, one of the main things I remember sharing is caring, sharing, sharing, sharing. That was always, that always burned it. And I'm not saying sharing isn't, I don't, I don't necessarily think that a communalistic, well, I keep on saying that, but a community doing stuff for others. Like I just said, we should be more selfish. But at the same time, there's a happy medium where we shouldn't, you know, we should help one another, but it shouldn't be at the expense of our own individual liberties is my problem. It's like when they take away our freedom under the guise of safety, the government shouldn't control how safe I want to be. Right. It's called balance. You know what I'm saying? It's you, you need to find that balance between being an individual and, and working within the collective. And that is how you realize um, like as as an individual soul in this meat suit, that is how you act out a little piece of God is that you have to you, you have to have the individual uh, you have to have the individual experience in order to act out the greater collective experience. And extremes is the problem here. The problem isn't necessarily like being selfish or selfless. The problem is is doing either one of those things in the extreme. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all about balance, and and any religion will tell you this if you're getting it raw and you're not getting it through interpretation. You know, as usually where the where uh, where the, where it gets lost in translation, right? Of course, yeah, the misinterpretation of it. I mean, always. Yeah, and so 
and 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 this has been going on like it's been going on for a really long time especially so the carnegie endowment came into existence in uh 1909 and they their their first thing was they were trying to figure out what is the best way to alter the the life of americans um what's the best way to do it and they just they discovered after you know conferring about it for a couple of years that war was the best way to do it so their first goal was to get america into world war one and they thought that the way that they could do that is by altering the way that Americans view uh, American history. And so they tried to get a bunch of their own historians. Um, they, they tried to, to turn a bunch of American historians to actually tell the story of America, but in a more collectivistic fashion and, and actually more of like a, a guilty for slavery kind of fashion and a guilty for colonialism type of fashion. And, and so when they originally tried to get those historians in their stable, they wanted nothing to do with it. So they realized they needed to, to raise their own historians. And so they partnered with the Rhodes Scholarship Program. And, and so the Rhodes Scholars that originally came in after like 1910, they were there to forward this idea of the, it, it was the, the idea of the federalization of the, of the nations. Like it, it came from Great Britain. And so they had all of those Western nations that they were trying to get all the same, but they were trying to get America back into the fold of Great Britain. And like this program has been going on for a long time. They also discovered that they needed to fund, they needed to create a two party system and fund both sides so that they would always have, you know, their will done. You know yeah. what I mean? And the Rhodes Scholar, that's a huge deal. You know, you always hear about like, uh, you know, that's one of the biggest honors you can have. And you go to college here and then you go to some classes at Oxford in the UK. So, you know, that's that's how they have their control. And, and in a way, I don't know if the UK ever really started stopped having control over the world. And like you can look after World War II. I don't necessarily think America won World War II. You look at Operation Paperclip. We brought over basically all of the, you know, a lot of the top uh, Ger Germans in, in the, the National Socialist Party and brought them here in the United States and just kind of installed their software into the United States uh, computer, I guess, for lack of a better analogy. And uh, so a lot of the history that, that we know is not even true. Jay, so what do you what do you think about that? About kind of the the misdirection and the lies of what's really happening in our past? Well, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. It's got a lot to do with paperclip. This is a part of history that, for whatever reason, like everybody knows about paperclip, but nobody understands what it fucking means. Okay, so you have a vaccine program that that start. Okay, I'm sorry about, about no, we that. Can but you say have that. that okay. you, you have that start after. Like you really have the steam going after the Nazis come uh, come over from paperclip. You have the Nazis installed in all those positions in the UN. You have them. Uh, you have them head in the UN and all these different departments in the UN. You bring them over. You have Warner von Braun help start NASA. You know what I mean? Like you he becomes best friends with Walt Disney. Like what? He how does that, how is that okay? I mean, I I, I can't even think of like, a, a, it'd almost be like Osama bin Laden coming over to America and becoming best friends with Mark Wahlberg and being an entourage. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, with that, I mean, is that, I mean, with that, that's, well, I mean, Warner that. Von Braun became Disney's entourage. I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't be, I mean, that's, I don't know what, what okay, give me a modern day uh, analogy or, or a metaphor or whatever uh, example of Warner Von Braun being a top rocket scientist building uh, rockets that killed Polish people and then coming over to America and becoming on TV and, and heading the NASA program. Give me a modern day example of that in your opinion. That would be kind of like if Kim Jong-un came over to run the, uh, the Secretary of State. 
Exactly. It doesn't, make, like that. it doesn't make any sense. Okay, go ahead. You're Almost like I was just trying to like I was just trying to help you out with your point, yeah. but I mean it makes total sense because Walt Disney was a rabid anti Semite. Yeah, he was. So, a, there's yeah. that. Well, you know. but what, what was I didn't even know. I mean, I know Walt Disney had a lot of issues. I, I thought he may have been a pro. He was an anti Semite. Is that that's yeah. really so? Yeah. Tell me about Walt Disney. I didn't really. I would have thought he would be tied in with uh, you know. The Jews, you know what I mean. I've heard. I don't know if we can say on YouTube. I didn't realize. I didn't know he. I, so he was kind of anti. He was an yeah. anti-Semite. So tell me about Disney. Whatever we can say on here. Try to keep it clean for YouTube um, if you can. I mean, Disney. As far as I can tell, now this is coming from a person that loves Disney movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I grew up watching Disney movies. I've been to both Disney, Disney parks. Disney. Disney's not oh, that. I will I, never I grew, go to Disney Park. Well, I've been when I was younger, but not that long ago, four or five years ago. But fuck, Disney's okay. We all grew up watching The Lion King. Come on, we can't. We don't want to throw our 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 our, our childhood no. in the trash, dude. Those are important times, important memories. Well, Disney's doing that themselves. They're making that they made the live action Lion King and Aladdin, throwing my childhood right in the trash with that bullshit. That shit is terrible. Yeah, but without Robin Williams doing Aladdin, it's not. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it doesn't exactly. Matter. Okay. okay, but so, but what do you so do? You not know that much? I mean, I don't know that much about Walt Disney, but he did the Club Thirty Three and all that stuff. He had to be a Freemason. He had to be yes. like. Uh, so you're telling me he? You really think he was an anti semi? What? But what? Uh, like what? What in the cartoons or what in Disney gives you that? I guess when because he, he did like they used to have characters like Chinese eyes and stuff. A couple of Disney movies they had to take out of uh, the the catalog. So give me, do you yeah. have any examples of him being a racist? Um, you can look up things that he said. Um, sometimes oh. some of the some of the statements that he's said, like I I would probably have to Google it up. Yeah, but uh, if, 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 it if it hasn't if it hasn't been scrubbed from Google, but I know he's made some statements that at least was an underlying xenophobia that it was, uh, you know, and um, there there was also like secondhand accounts like, oh, you know, he wouldn't hire me because I was I was Jewish yeah. and this and that, which is like I and and you run against Hollywood, you know what I mean? That's like but Hollywood that's, is all Jewish back then. That's what I'm saying. I think yeah. Hollywood, from my understanding, has always been like a Jewish Illuminati mafia type situation. I mean. Seriously. Yeah. So, yeah. So Disney was like, he was a wasp, you know, he was a white Anglo-Saxon yeah. Protestant. So it's like, they are, you know, a lot of them, you know, a lot of the elites like that, they had their problems with, with the Jewish community for whatever reason. But um, there was a lot of like Ford was a big fan of Hitler, you know, which makes. What? Yeah. 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 For oh, sure. Well, they Ford made the tanks. Them. Yeah. Ford made yeah. the tanks for the Nazis. Dude, oh, there's how, a, there's, how is that even possible? Whole, well, I mean, they, he, well, one, he just generally liked Hitler and everything that he was doing. A lot of these, uh, uh, and, and you know what? A lot of industrialists like dictators, you know what I mean? Because that's the role that you're playing as, you know, the head of these companies. On YouTube, you dictator. have to say you're anti-Hitler, and we are anti-Hitler here for the YouTube people <laughs> yeah, watching. Yeah, goes, I just, yeah, it goes just, without saying. Okay, but go goes ahead. I saying. mean, you know, if you say anything pro, that's going to be considered bad, but we're anti-Hitler. So go ahead, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't actually know anyone that's straight pro Hitler. I don't. Yeah. Not but people, actually, I know a lot of people will tell you. I, we'll got to talk about that on Rockman. All right, <laughs> yeah. uh, we can only say so much, but our history is so mired in, it, like, you just look at all the false flag attacks that we've had. I mean, I look at uh, Vietnam was the Gulf of Tonkin got us into that, and you know the pop culture connections with the Gulf of Tonkin and then Jim Morrison's dad being one of like the U boat captains. I mean, well. No, he was the captain of the ship. He was the admiral of the ship that was attacked during the Gulf of Tonkin. 
I mean, how, how does that even happen? I mean, what? And then he becomes his son, and he, and you know, obviously, we know that, or what I think is like some sort of Tavistock Institute. You know, he was like a kid that probably grew up on a military base. He was probably always the kid was probably always under some sort of government experiment without him even knowing. Okay, so there's a great book called uh, "Scenes Inside uh, the <laughs> the Wild Canyon" or, or Laurel Canyon. Is that with Dave I, McGowan? Dave McGowan, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Awesome, yeah. And so, and and there are these connections all throughout that era of all the musicians that came, well, you know, the, the most important musicians that came out of Laurel Canyon. You're talking um, Frank Zappa's father was in the, the Army Chemical Engineer Corps. Uh, you have uh, the Mama Cass's father was like Naval Intelligence, of course. Jim Morrison's father was Naval Intelligence. Uh, Sam Copeland from uh, the police. His father was was in the CIA. So you have a lot, and that's not the guy from the that, police. Like, I didn't realize was Sting in the police. One of the guys in the police. Or yeah, the that... drummer. Yeah. Because wow. yeah. Sting in the like that. I mean, that's kind of that. that I love Sting. The, what I'm saying is their music is they they have some sort of they for through government testing they know what megahertz and what frequencies sound nice to our ears i believe that's the same reason why they can get Nicki minaj or what they can pick any star or lil nas x and they can have a hit music because they know what beat pattern that sounds pleasant to our ears and they know a beat pattern sounds unpleasant so i think they can kind of copy and paste other music and where they'll know i mean they don't know it's all going to be a hit i'm sure they've they've had put Tavistock said oh this song will be a big hit and it didn't work but they know a, they know a formula that is works more than times than it doesn't yeah and there's also something to be said about about subliminal messaging i know the beatles were working on um they were one of the first bands to work on if you played something backwards on the record you would get a med like they were i saw it in one of their documentaries it wasn't like a conspiracy theory they were working on making messages backwards on the record um, so there's also that aspect and there's just generally, um, like the idea behind that book was that they were trying to subvert the anti-war movement. They were trying to get all those people on drugs. And a lot of these people not only like experimented heavily with drugs, but went over the board, overboard with drugs and also, um, uh, were proponents of it. Uh, I mean, you've got, what's the, uh, what's his name? He did, uh, he, he did, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Uh, uh, Ken uh, Kesey. So Ken Kesey worked for a VA, and the way that he got all of his acid was he started stealing all the LSD that they were testing on the patients there in the VA, and he started like throwing the parties with it, and then he and then he did the whole magic school bus shit. You know what I mean? Like, wow! You so always it, have these connections. You know, it's like the plot of Half Baked, where uh, Dave Chappelle works at the <laughs> weed testing science lab, and that's and he sells that. That's how they get money. But so he had access to this stuff. And, I mean, and, and what what is that? Like, this is this is what's sad and going on in the world. And I could pull up this tweet, but everybody can see it. I just retweeted it. Uh, Rachel Levine, the transgender uh, health secretary, who I love. I've I'm actually transitioning. Jay, <laughs> if anybody donates, I'm I'm gonna I'm actually gonna do a Caitlyn Jenner. I'm gonna transition to Alexandria because just so I can get more respect as a broadcaster because I do want to be a big time broadcaster. I don't just want to be on YouTube but forever. I do one day we're going to go on CNN. I'm going to marry Brian Stelter. Um, but before that, Rachel Levine was talking about how this year, listen to this, Jay, this is a tweet. I should pull it up, but it's not even worth it. It's a bad vibrational energy. Through Just through February of 2021, they had the worst amount of drug overdoses in American history the past year. And I know people that have died of drug overdoses even before this past year, before a couple years ago, before coronavirus. I know of people that have died since then of fentanyl overdoses, people that I, you know, acquaintances. 
we are in a, and I'm not trying to be over dramatic, but we are in an opioid crisis where like kids are dying uh, of, of this, like they can get just one little bit of fentanyl and you can OD and die. So back then they were making the kids take like LSD and smoking weed. I know you can really mess up your brain on LSD, but like you eventually kind of come off LSD. You can't really overdose on LSD. I think you could probably fry your brain, but it's less, I'm saying you could argue that it's less dangerous than what's going on with fentanyl. So what was the drug, what was the pushing drug culture then? And do you think the CIA is still pushing the drug culture today? Okay. One, yes. Uh, two, uh, so the thing with drugs back then too is, okay. So, um, Philip K. Dick, I might have to explain this a little bit. He believed that it, and he's the sci-fi author. He believed that he was communicating with a super intelligent being from another star system or God or something like that. And he said, he that, wrote what that Minority Report? What did he? Philip K. Dick did what? He wrote a bunch Total of Total Recall, yeah, okay. Minority Total, yeah. Report, Paycheck, all okay, that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Scanner so. Darkly. A Scanner Darkly is one. It's a. It's a very heavily. It's a very drug book. Yeah. Um. And um, so he said that the this intelligent being told him that the reason that people were being damaged by drugs at that time and that the reason that they were going insane was because they, uh, the, the government was putting heavy metals into all the drugs, aluminum and things like that. And um, which isn't that it's not that crazy because the, the FBI was poisoning alcohol during prohibition, killed 10,000 people in the United States. These probably aren't, killed aren't way so more. Crazy. Killed way more than when them poisoning alcohol killed way more than ten thousand people. And just them making it illegal, all the moonshine people die and going blind drinking bad alcohol. So, and the FBI, all you gotta do is look at the Iran Contra, the CIA. I mean, they traded guns for drugs and then put those drugs on the street with guys like Free Ray, Ricky Ross, and you know all different cartels. They had to, you know, they would drop off. Literally, there's stories of them dropping off U-Haul trucks. And this is the 80s, 70s, and 90s, whenever they, you know, the Iran Contra is going on, full of cocaine. And I mean, this is done by people within our own government. So that, and they got caught for this. So we know that. I just, do you think that stuff just stops happening? Oh, hell no, man. They yeah. just found out. I mean, they just released publicly, like, and nobody fucking noticed that El Chapo works for the CIA. You know what I mean? Like, or is that true? The CIA, right, but, but I'm but sure he was an informant. Yeah, yeah. of course. They yeah. always are. They're always some sort of informant or they, you know, they know what the deal is. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. It's fine. Um, yeah. So you can't bring that amount of drugs into the United States without raising some red flags. You know what I mean? Um, port, uh, you know, bringing things into port is not like, I mean, all this shit is tracked. You know, you have to have manifests, all that stuff. Um, so you have to, people have to be paid to look the other way or it has to come up, come up from the higher ups. You know what I mean? Like uh, Barry Seal just was going in and out of the United States at will without ever being stopped or questioned or anything like that, flying right into Mena, Arkansas, where Bill Clinton was, you know, he was governor at the time. And they were running the drugs there for George Bush, the first. You know what I mean? And it is king. And this is, all, and we course. know this. I'm saying this is all declassified. This is Barry Seal, guys, who had a movie, American Made, and Tom Cruise played yeah. this guy. This is how much the revelation of the method, and people still don't. You would tell somebody on the street, this, dude, I mean, Mark Dice did a video. They were walking around California. People didn't even know who Governor Newsom was. Most people, like a lot of people said, you know who, who Governor uh, Gavin Newsom is? They go, who? Oh, I'm not really into politics. They don't. I mean, you know what I mean. And there's a time I didn't know every governor of every place. Now I do because I'm a psychopath because we're under tyranny. But it's different. You know what I mean. There's a time I kind of go. I kind of wish I could go back to that time when I didn't know anything. But could you imagine living in the day and age we live now and being that oblivious to what's going on in the world? 
No, no. And I find it surprising that I have these conversations with people and they have no idea. I'm like, you have no idea about Barry Seal. One, there was a fucking movie. You know what I mean? So the one with Tom Cruise. And it's just, I, it's, it's so crazy. I think it's because it's so huge. You know what I mean? Like I was just telling someone the other night, I was like, yeah, well, one of the big reasons for Vietnam was so that they could set up the Golden Triangle. She was like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, yeah, the Golden Triangle. They were they were shipping all the all the world's, world's heroin out of out of Southeast Asia for decades until Afghanistan came around. And it went from like 16 or 17 percent of the world's uh, of the world's heroin to 95. All the poppy comes out of there. And, and that's another thing is, you know, we left Vietnam and then I don't know who took over Vietnam, but I believe that we kind of just sold uh we sold Afghanistan to China so China can poison us through their fentanyl. They don't want us to, you know, America's just done being uh done dealing with those poppy fields. And that now they know they can just get the cheap fentanyl and poison us with that. Yeah. And there's definitely like I haven't been up to snuff on the Afghanistan stuff lately. Like I know I know, you know, a little bit about what's going on, but I know there's just something there that in two or three years that shit's gonna blow open and people are gonna they're really gonna figure out what's going on over there. Dude, what do you mean? It shouldn't even be two years. They just killed a family of seven that are aid workers and said they were ISIS K terrorists. And they have footage, you can go on my Twitter too and pull this up of these people before they shot them are loading water into water tanks and that America said they were explosives. So oh, yeah. they'll just blow up your family at a wedding, guys. These are the people that are calling the shots. And then they're, they're going to parade around and be like, oh, it's a strategic strike. It saved yeah. lives. They actually killed a family, seven kids, and they said that they saved lives. That's the audacity that the government has oh, to say yeah. to our face. And, dude, that ain't nothing new. They did that all throughout the Obama administration. They did. This has been going on for years, just blowing up people with drones. You know what I mean? It's like... And, and to have Obama had his kill list, you know what I mean? And he had and he had uh, 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 an American citizen murdered without a trial out there in Afghanistan. You know what I mean? So it's like it. it I don't know what it. you know what I mean? I don't know what it takes to wake up people anymore. You know what I mean? Like I thought I thought when I was younger, after I found out about 9-11 and all this other shit, I was just like, oh, all you have to do is tell people about it. And they'll, they'll, oh, man, that's great. You know, but. I mean, even if you start at the lower level stuff, the stuff that you can actually prove without any speculation, it's just lost on so many people, you know, and they even forget what you just told them like days later. Be like, remember that? Oh, no, I forget. Get, the, get out of here. No, it's, you know, it's, I, don't, I don't know it, what it takes. No amount of uh, evidence can, can convince an idiot. I mean, seriously, and I'm not calling everybody an idiot. There was a there was a time when I was young and I didn't care kind of about the world. Like I remember I was I was in college in 08 during the the Occupy stuff. So like my world was still pretty good. I remember my, like my family, I mean, being kind of like not going on vacations or not really being like rich or something, but I was a college kid. I didn't have any worries. I was broke anyway, you know, like it was, uh, so like, I wasn't really worried about the Occupy movement. Now looking back, I'm like, maybe I should have been more of an activist or, you know, cause now I'm, I'm like, why am I, I'm kind of an activist. It's weird. I would have never thought Jay that I would be some sort of political activist and i'm more than that i think i'm considering myself some sort of comedian but i think you have to be both in this day and age you kind of in order to in, unless you're going to be some rudderless a puppet for the nwo you're either going to be like jim brewer and say that you're not going to perform at the places that have mandates or you're going to be the opposite and you're going to do whatever they tell you and i want to do the opposite you know what i mean yeah dude jim brewer is the fucking man but i think i think you're doing the right thing um approaching it in that way being an activist comedian because comedians get they get a little bit more leeway um, although the cancel culture has been strong the past few years, they, they haven't been able to take down the behemoths. 
You know what I mean? Um, so I think there is still a space for comedians uh, to be to be what they were always supposed to be, you know, and more, more than just the court jester, but but actually like have the potential to be activists. And it's like, you know, sometimes the only way you can reach people is through humor. You know? That well, that's the thing is is I don't know how much they're actually going to let you know like Jim Brewer, Nicki Minaj spoke out against the thing, and they they go after her. like I don't even think you can be actually that big. You have to like be big before you make it like a Jim Brewer, and then you can you can talk against it. Uh, but there's always going to be a niche audience, Jay. The people like you, me. So that's all. I'm I'm never going to be mainstream. I, I, but but my point that I'm trying to make is. Dude, the only way we can present this is with humor because if you really think about that Operation Paperclip, we brought in all these uh, terrible people that are running the world and that were under this like massive tyrannical uh, co- corporation merger of state and and you know we're like the the hamburger meat of the meatloaf of society. We're just thr- they don't care about us. It, it's pretty dark pilled if you think about that. So you know it's hard. To, it's a hard pill to swallow. The the red pill or the black pill, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I always opted for the red pill. You know what I mean? Like even, you know, it was crazy too, was I remember being a kid and uh, maybe it was about 12, 13. And I, you know, I was, I was sick one day and I was staying home and I saw the, um, the matrix comes on. I had no idea. And I used to love this, right? I used to love when I would just turn on the television and I didn't know what a movie was before I watched it. I don't, I have not done that in the longest time. I can't even you remember. You can't do that anymore. I, that, that, that was the best. Yeah. Wait, Jay, real quick, I, want, I want to hear your point, but do you remember you'd watch just the movie that was that was on TV? I remember and it had, you'd watch it with commercials too. And I would do yeah. that. I mean, I haven't done that in, I mean, 10, 20 years probably. Go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. Always. Yeah, no, no. And, and and these days when I go to watch a movie, I know what the movie's about. I usually know how it ends and I know the characters and the plot, all that stuff. But this, it was the Matrix. You know what I mean? Like, I just put it on. I'm like, oh, what is this shit? Boom. Never been the same again. You know what I mean? Because I started thinking right after. And I was sick and like hallucinating. I was so fucking sick. And I was just like, maybe this is just a simulation. Maybe I am just in a fucking vat of goop. You know, uh, I mean. It, it's not that crazy. Well, somebody's saying, I don't know if I believe in the simulation, but you can, we could be in a simulation and not know it and have our brains in the goop. That's what I'm saying. We wouldn't even know that we're plugged into the goop. And sometimes I feel like that because we're a spiritual being, but this is just my physical body. Like, I think there's something more. Are we connected to a different place? I mean, what do you think is going on, Jay? I, it depends on, on if you're asking me on Tuesday or Thursday, you know what yeah. I mean? One, it could be simulation. It could be God. We could be gods. We could be, I, you know I, I think mean? there's um, a creator, but even like, when well, I was yeah. watching this guy explain the simulation theory the best way, but it's like, you know, you can still have the simulation with the creator overlooking us. You know, he like what I'm saying is like we're in the tank, so we can't see our world, but the creator is outside of it, so he can see it all. He just has a different perspective. So maybe we are some sort of simulation or some sort of entertainment vessel or some creator. And for me, that makes more sense. When I go outside and I smell the grass and I look at the flowers and I look at the bird eat the worm and I look at this, this, the, you know, the cycle of life, the squirrel eat the nut. I just, I, I doesn't, I can't imagine this is all a cosmic accident from two rocks smashing together a billion years ago. That story for me doesn't pan out. Yeah, I don't really, th- I, I have a hard time believing that it's all just an accident. And even if, even if the big bang is real, then a creator had to start it. It just doesn't happen out of nothing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just, I just, I don't think we can be, I just, there's more to this. I don't know what it is, 
But that's what they were trying to hide, Jay. They want to hide their creator. They want to hide. They want to make you feel insignificant because it goes back to that 1909 Rockefeller Institute, whatever it is, where if you feel insignificant, if you feel unimportant, then you're more likely to go along to get along because you don't have any autonomy or any independence. Yeah. So, I mean, it definitely could have that spiritual component, but it has a very pragmatic component and people are just more pliable when they're in that, that, that frequency. And it's very possible that the people that run the world that have historically run the world, they have a good understanding of psychology. They're not necessarily very creative because the way that they craft their propaganda is very transparent, transparent. And it's usually pretty obvious, at least to people like us that can, you know, once you see it, you can't unsee it kind of thing. Um, but they, what they've done is they've taken, they've taken advantage of humans in a way because they're taking these evolutionary, like truisms, these things that, that are just naturally true, like hierarchies, you know, a, a hierarchical structures form themselves all throughout the animal kingdom and they present themselves in various ways in social organizations. And it's a very natural thing. And the, what they've done is that they've rigged the system so that they can just always remain at the top of the hierarchy. And so it, it takes a very deep understanding of, of the psychology of the humans that you're trying to rule in order to stay at the top of the hierarchy. Now, it's not to say that all hierarchies need to be dismantled because they're a natural thing and they're necessary in order to keep society and civilization going. There's no way that you could do it if it was just a free-for-all. And that's why governments are usually a necessary evil. Um, but that's, that's really what that's all about is that, um, they've taken advantage of these things that are naturally human, uh, natural human proclivities and, and evolutionary biological truths. And they're just taking advantage of them because they've had access to that kind of knowledge for so long. And, um, you know, it's, I, I try to tell people all the time, like being a human is a beautiful thing. I mean, it's got, it's got its shitty parts, but mm -hmm. for the most part, like as long as you have the right mindset and you can keep yourself centered, being a human is a wonderful and incredible thing. Like, have you ever had sex? There you go. Well, RIP Norm Macdonald. It's so sad that he died, but you know, I, I went to a Norm Macdonald rabbit hole last night, but like one of his tweets was, it's awesome to be a human. And he, he said his exact quote was like, it's awesome to be a human. You get to do things like wear hats and eat at Denny's. And, he, and, 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 and it was so simple, but it's that's, I mean, we do. We get to go eat pancakes. We get to go have whenever we want. I can go have an ice cream cone. I mean, like, like sometimes you get lucky, you get to have sex. You have a wife, you have sex all the time. I'm just saying there are some things in life that are good. And maybe if life was always that good, then like, you know, we wouldn't have any uh, gauge to see when we were good. So maybe we need the bad to go with the good, you know, like, like, like this guy, I forget, maybe it was you talking about it or something, or I forget, I was listening to somebody talking about how they didn't realize they were in a simulation because they kept winning the game where everything kept going well. And then they've realized they're in a simulation. Was that you talking about that, Jay? Or was that? No, no, maybe, no. I, God, I, I wish I said that shit. No, I was listening to somebody who was talking, it was like a book or it was a story about somebody about how the only reason they figured out that they were in a simulation, it was like, I guess there's a wartime crisis and they needed this person to work. And so the only way they get him to work is if he didn't know what's going on. So, but the guy realized that he was in a fake world because everything kept on going good for him, like Vanilla Sky. And that's how they'll tell you in the movie Vanilla Sky. It's like the idea where they plug your brain into a, uh, you know, a computer and you live in the fake world. You live in the fake matrix. Like right now, we're in the fake matrix, guys. We can only say so much stuff on YouTube. We can't say the words we're about to say on Rockfin. But in that, in that movie, but better examples like you think you live in this perfect world, but as soon as you plug into that fake world, they kill you. So what do you think about that, Jay? Like, do you believe in the transhumanism? Can you live forever in that fake vanilla sky world, in your opinion? 
No, I actually think if there is a hell, it is because you download your consciousness into a supercomputer. That's, That's what hell. I think hell probably is, yeah. Hey, that would be, because if I was just my computer and some other asshole could turn me on and off and, you know, control me or something like that, that sounds like a living nightmare. And then I, they could never turn me off. You know, Lord knows I would end up like at a mall and stuck in some robot or something. Okay, guys, we're okay. We've been here on, on YouTube, guys. We're going to be able to talk about, we're going to talk about all the mandates and all the stuff that's really going on in the world on Rockfin. Uh, so, guys, you're going to see the link is in the description right here on YouTube. There's 120 people. It's free. You don't have to sign up. You just click the link and you're going to be able to go on, on Rockfin because we're going to get out of here in five minutes. So for the people, for the, you know, the biggest audience, we got over 120 on YouTube and we're on DLive and Facebook. More than that are watching, but I'm just saying for the YouTube audience, oh, that, that's a stream that's going to have to end because of that. So what do you want to tell the people before we go, Jay? And where can they find you and tell them about, you know, how to kill a sacred cow? Yeah, so uh, you can find me anywhere the podcasts are found. I'm on all the uh, the, the podcast directories, Apple, Spotify, all that stuff. Uh, you can check out my website, howtokillasacredcow.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram, at jhenahan and at howtokillasacredcow. And uh, my band is George Orwell the Musical, also on Spotify and Apple Music. I love it, Jay. What do you play in the band? Do you sing? Well, tell me about your music. Tell me about your uh, uh, musical skills. Yeah, so I'm a, I sing in that band. It's a it's a math core band out of Lowell, Massachusetts, and we just play the most difficult hardcore shit that we can. It's the most difficult shit that we can. It's heavy as fuck. And um, man, I always say if you like metal, you'll like George Orwell the Musical. Wow, I just got a text message. One of my co-hosts is not uh, uh, gonna be there tomorrow for our show. I don't like that at all. Sorry, that has nothing to do with us. But George Orwell <laughs> the Musical, I can't believe that. Uh, People don't even know who George Orwell is, Jay. And, and why did they make us all read that? that? That's the last thing I want to say. Why was that all the required reading, in your opinion, uh, in every school? And To Kill a Mockingbird and, and like uh, all those books. What was it? To Kill a Mockingbird, Catcher in the Rye, George Orwell, uh, 1984, Brave New World. Why did we, why were, the, were those required reading for you too, Jay? Yeah, not a brave new world, but the, actually that's how I got the idea for the band was in, uh, we started the band in high school and I uh, we were reading 1984. And I, I actually only think it's required reading because um, it, there used to be more of a, a sense of of freedom in literature, uh, you know, before the PC politics kind of came into it. And, and, you know, logistically, the book is beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, if you've ever, if you've gone back and read it any time recently, it is one of the most masterful pieces of English literature um, of the 20th century. So that might have something to do with it. Plus, I mean, I don't know. I think it just slipped through the fucking school board. You know what I mean? Like, I guarantee you they do not. No, dude, there's Rockefeller, the Rockefeller Foundation. They're like, hey, let's get these kids reading this brave new world, getting reading these books. Because maybe the smart ones will realize that's really what's going to happen in the future. And the dumb ones are going to cheat on the test like me and then have to read it after the fact uh, (laughs) and not realize what's going on. Uh, But a lot of those books, like, what was it? Lord of the Flies is, you know, uh, uh, they're all kind of... uh, they're all pertinent to what's going on in today's society, society, especially like Huckleberry Finn. I wouldn't have thought, you know, that book has the N word in it and stuff. Now it's like getting taken out of schools. It's almost like they knew that like, Hey, let's put this book that is with Mark Twain that, that is going to be controversial for sure in the future. I think they, I think they're a little more calculated, calculated than just, Oh, it slipped through the cracks because it's just a well-read book. You know what I mean? I mean, you know that, Jay. <laughs> Come on. I know. Well, some of it might be seeding, right? Like, uh, like uh, what's it called? Predictive programming, 
right? You have to put the idea out there for it to materialize in reality. So there could be some of that. That's what I think. I mean, look at the Georgia Guidestones. That's why they had to do it because it has to be written in stone. And just by writing it in stone doesn't necessarily make it true or means that it's going to make it happen. But for them, having it written in stone is another uh, barrier they went through. Having it written in stone, that means it's more likely to ha- to happen when they write it in stone. So that's a very important symbolic gesture, and that's why they have um, the uh, Georgia Guidestones. Okay, guys, we're going to head over to Rockfin. Like I said, we're going to be able to talk freely. We love you, YouTube. Make sure to go. All the, we've got Jay's links in the description, and the Rockfin link is in the description. So uh, peace, you.